This episode of The Cutting Room is sponsored by Grass Valley's EDIA 6. Check out the new EDIA 6 at www.grassvalley.com. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room. I'm your host, Gordon Burkell. Well, here's part two of my interview with Stuart Bass. This week we talk about cutting comedy, and just before we chat about Arrested Development, I'm going to be cutting it off. Now I know, I know you guys want to listen to that, that's what a lot of people have been asking me for, but we're going to save it for an entire episode, so I don't want to split it up into two. Now our first four-word film review segment has been a huge success. We have our first winner that we chose from our overwhelming group of people who submitted. But the winner, as well as our next four-word film review challenge, will be after the second part of my interview with Stuart Bass. With that segment, you'll also get to hear for the first time ever on our show, my producer, Lauren Woodcock, who's going to announce the winner and also put forward the next four-word film review challenge. I'd also like to thank Joe T, who pointed out a small little problem with some of our podcasts. Hopefully it's fixed as of this one. I'd like to thank Joe for pointing it out. That's enough housekeeping. Now on with the show. I pick up with Stuart in LA and we're having lunch, so it gets quite noisy, so I apologize if there's certain noise that just sort of pop up. Please bear with it because there's some really important information in there. What if you could touch someone and bring them back to life? From the director of Men in Black and the Addams Family comes a magical, tragical show that is unlike anything you've ever seen. This is Ned, an ordinary pie maker with an extraordinary talent. I bake pies and wake the dead. I live a very sheltered life. This is Chuck, the love of his life, who he brought back to life. But there is only one way to keep her alive. You can't touch me. So a kiss is out of the question? Together, with a little help. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Emerson Codd. I'm a private investigator. They're solving crimes. Sweet. One touch at a time. You touch murder victims. You ask who killed them. You touch them again. They go back to being dead. And then you collect the reward. That's it in a nutshell. If only it were that easy. So you've, you've cut a lot of comedy. And I was wondering, how do you work with rhythms, timing, pacing, all those elements to get the best comedic effect. When I was in San Francisco, I was in an improv group mm-hmm. for a long time. Long time. Like the whole tenure there. And I think that was really, like really important experience to be working on comedy and understand because it, it's 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 visceral. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't you can't really think about the timing. You just have to put things together so that they're funny. Yeah. And it had to be funny to me and so, uh, you know, I think the acting background helped a lot. How do you judge uh, an actor's performance for, or the footage that you get in that's raw when you start approaching a cut? You know, again, it's like very, it's, it's, it's visceral. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny. <laughs> for, for about 10 or 15 years, I worked on kids' shows or teenage mm-hmm. shows, like The Wonder Years and Parker Lewis Can't Lose and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. And, the kids can't really act, so a lot of times when you're judging a performance, it was if they could get the words in the right order and kind of spit them out, and it was clear. Yeah. And then the editing became, the, the challenge of the editing was once you kind of strung out this thing that kind of made sense, mm-hmm. now how to give it texture and to get some emotion into it and, and, and actually tell a story yeah. with it. So I think it was, it was good training 
for when you have like people who actually, you know, there's a performance you can go, oh man, you know, I don't know, take two's funny, but that take three's fast. It's got a yeah. different, you know, he did something like, like on The Office. Yeah. You got like all these like, you know, you can have like all these great takes and something's funny about one, but something's, and, and, and then the judgment becomes very difficult. But back on a teenage show, it was just a matter of like trying to get them the words in the right order. And you end up manipulating things a lot more just to create a performance. So you had to cut up a lot of performances and back and forth a yeah, lot? Yeah, you or? chop up performances. You, you have to put loop lines and put things on people's backs. You could take a, two scenes and to save one scene, intercut both of them together. So that you do that in a documentary. Yeah. You, you know, you, you, you yeah, that's... I'm just thinking I gotta go rewatch The Wonder Years now. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, The Wonder Years looks very simple. Mm -hmm. um, I have, every so often I have to give speaking engagements or just, you know, talking to students about mm -hmm. things. And I have a Wonder Years episode that an assistant cut together, which is just an assembly and it looks like an after school special. Yeah. You know, it looks, and the acting's kind of staged and you can, and then I had to go into that episode and recut it so that it has yeah. texture. It'd be fascinating to see. So yeah, so it, it, you know, there's a, you know, you do every trick you can. You, yeah. you know, you play things that don't work off camera. You might have to rewrite stuff. We, uh, we had the narrator, which was always helpful, because mm -hmm. uh, um, if something wasn't being expressed correctly, you could always cut to the narrator and steal something from in the scene for the narrator to speak over. Uh, you know, it's it's much like doing a documentary yeah. where you're 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 shaping. You know, the footage is really just yeah. kind of a bunch of colors and you're putting the colors together and, and it was pretty groundbreaking in its structure right having the narration being sort of a dramedy instead of just a comedy or for its time slot and it's I guess the people they were directing it at the youth it you know it wasn't you know it comes out everything comes out of something else mm -hmm. so you know because I worked on MASH before that and MASH was a dramedy it was yeah. too so so the idea of being serious and comic at the same time was uh, already happening and mm -hmm. and then we didn't really do anything original. We, we um, the Wonder Years was kind of structured after uh, Stand by Me, yeah. the Rob Reiner movie, and uh, we used a lot of stuff from The Graduate, Christmas Story. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, so that, you know, there, it wasn't like we were the first ones to come up with the, yeah. the narration, but the narration made it very easy to fix stuff. Now I wanted to jump to Pushing Daisies, which you yeah. did recently. The first episode, like the pilot episode, pilot was the project was created by Brian Fuller and he wrote and produced the show. In a situation like this, where do the boundaries lie for you as an editor? Because you want to create a structure for the rest of the series that will guide the show for future episodes, yet you're working with the producer and the writer as the same person who might be biased. How did you work with this to... Oh, well, there's a third person in the mix. Okay. There's Barry Simon. Yeah, the director. Right. Yeah. And when Barry works on a show, he runs the show. Okay. He's the king. He, so when I came on the Pushing Daisies, I was hired by Barry and Brian was very quiet okay. and was kind of let Barry do the work for the pilot. Mm -hmm. Later in the, in the, as the series progressed, Brian became more and more a voice in the series. You know, Brian and, and Barry, they, they worked together and they come up with a lot of the creative stuff, but it was it was really Barry that was driving the boat. Mm -hmm. And the editorial on Pushing Daisies, I, it was, I, I had a lot of leeway. Okay. Because there were so many opticals. Mm -hmm. I think we had a couple hundred opticals in the pilot. Oh, wow. The And the schedule on the pilot, I think we had eight weeks or six weeks, but 
there wasn't enough time to do all these the complicated 3D visual effects mm -hmm. work if we had cut picture and locked it and then started the visual effects. Yeah. So they shot, it was, it was an 18-day shoot, and the first three days they just shot the really hard visual effects plate, and then I cut them together and they were locked within a day or two of shooting. I mean, we basically, I would run them in um, the trailer with Barry and, and we'd lock the picture wow. on them very quickly. And then it was hugely expensive if we made any changes, so picture was pretty much locked by the last wow. day's dailies. They finished, say, on a, a I think on a, like a Monday. Barry came in and worked with me for a few hours on Tuesday and Wednesday, and the, mm -hmm. the picture was done. And, and then it became, then we did just little nuance mm -hmm. things, and uh, you know, and then people started giving our notes, and, and we were mostly fooling with music at that point, and making some adjustments to, to some timing. We added a narration. You know, and Brian jumped in to kind of help fill out some of the story. I know mm -hmm. we had to like introduce Olive, but there wasn't a lot of playing with it. The script was really very, very good. You know, Brian, and, and the vision was very strong, so it, it fell together very mm -hmm. easily. Most series I'm on are very, very tight, but, but that, yeah. with pilots, well, that pilot because of the opticals, but a lot of pilots, the pilots deliver in May, so they always, they're always up against it. Now, the voiceover and the music in the show were very fairy tale esque and it created that sort of feel for the show. How did you approach editing these elements to give us that sort of fairy tale feel and yet keep the audience in the realm of the reality? Because they're kept in the real world, essentially. I, I did things on Pushing Daisies a little different than I do on almost anything. I, I, a lot of times let stuff play. Mm -hmm. and, it was, and because you had the narration, you could do that. There was one shot in there that I never thought the network would allow. I, I remember where it's when Chuck gets thrown overboard from the ship, and and I, you know, the camera's rolling, and it's just blue water. It's a very abstract shot. You, you don't even know what you're looking at. And then a few seconds go by, and then she plunges in. And, mm -hmm. and like a normal show, the network, I wouldn't say tried, would, would ask you to cut that beat out before she comes in. Yeah. And I, it was tightened a little bit from my original cut, mm -hmm. but I, I was able to play time a little slower and, and because these, these images were so gorgeous you could, yeah. you could sit in things longer. And so you mentioned that in uh, the Editor's Guild magazine that the cutting rhythms were different. So is yeah. that what you mean like the shots could be held longer, yeah, more beats could be put in? Yeah, there's, and there's just some places where Barry just shot some beautiful masters mm -hmm. and I, I didn't, and there was coverage for everything but a lot of times I just stayed out of the coverage because it was just so great to look at. So not cutting is cutting. In Studio Daily you mentioned that you used a lot of graphic elements to create a fluidity throughout the show. I was wondering if you could explain that a bit because it was just sort of like a small clip that Oh, yeah. They sort of just quoted you and it was like we used graphics to create fluidity. I was wondering if you could explain. Well, I, you know, one of the nice things about when you have just nothing but opticals is you can make anything. Right? Okay. So I, 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 I remember my, one of my favorites because I always was like a huge fan of uh, Vincent Minnelli who, mm -hmm. who, who would like do these match dissolves. So th this was like, I got a chance to do that where uh, the, the two kids are at a uh, there's a graveyard and there's a sun and I could make the you know the sun circle in the sky because you could make a sun you know turned into a pie and then the uh, and then you could fool with how it was cut out and it transformed into a, the next scene and 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 as a pull and, you know pulls out and 
creating like a really smooth, I guess, transition between scenes and yeah. elements. So, so be, yeah, because you could create all the elements. You weren't, you know, nothing was dictating the composition of the shot. So the, the shots were, you know, you can make the composition anything, so you can make the transition anything. So you don't get that, that opportunity much. Yeah, you're you're almost freer with the the CGI than you are yeah. with if they shot it regular. So that was my interview with Stuart Bass. That was great. <laughs> and you can already hear Lauren Woodcock, my producer. So we're gonna go into our new segment for forward film review. So, Lauren. Yes. I guess we'll start because we're doing forward film review. Who won last week's challenge? Uh, let me see. I have to pick a name from yeah. my hat. Oh, look, it's Glenn Montgomery. He guessed Battleship Potemkin, which is correct. And what is he going to get? He, I think he's getting a t-shirt. <laughs> you think he's getting a t-shirt? I think so. Okay, well, we'll send him a t-shirt then. Well, then let's do that. All right. And this week's four-word film review, what is that going to be this week? Okay, I give you four words, and you translate that into what film I'm describing. This is from the Four Word Film Review book. Which, and website. And website that I think, Ford, you can provide the details FWFR.com. And uh, they've so generously allowed you to use these reviews. Very yes. nice. So this week's is Mortuary Editing Postmortem. What were they? Mortuary Editing Postmortem. So if you know what those four words are describing or what movie they're referencing, or a television show. You send, never know. Send your answers to info at artoftheguillotine.com. Now I'm going to wrap this one up. I'd like to thank Lauren Woodcock, my Burkell. producer. <laughs> I'd like to thank Lauren Burkell, my producer. Yay. I'd like to thank Stuart Bass for allowing me to interview him. And I'd also like to thank the American Cinema Editors. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.